The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. This is Free Time Tuesday on Emsolation with M. Rossiano. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is M. Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a podcaster and a neurodivergent magic brain. I have ADHD combination type and suspected autism, currently being investigated but already self-diagnosed. This is Free Time Tuesday. Welcome. How are you? We are like mid-November and if you are anything like me, I am crawling to the finish line <laughs> this time of year. It's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know. And I was thinking, you know, why has this year felt so enormous? And then I was forced to think about I've done a national tour. I did the National Press Club. I opened and renovated my own studio. <laughs> my child was diagnosed with autism. I just, it's been a big year. It has been a big year. And I think in the past I don't allow myself that reflection and think, nah, nah, you're right, bitch. You should be fucking exhausted. But even just all that aside, being the mother of three children, each at very different levels of life, you know, we've got Elio about to head into kinder, my middle daughter Odette about to head into VCE and my eldest child Marcella about to head out properly into the world, finishing uni, finishing a full-time job and travelling next year. So I'm just kind of having to position myself around all of those three things and then all the wonderful people that I work with, looking after them. It's just, I, it's a lot and I am really hoping that I can find some time at some point to just maybe cry for a week. No, not great. Just rest. I just really need to be able to take my brain out of my head and give it a scrub, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I see you. I just want you to hear my voice on this free time Tuesday. And today's just going to be a catch-up. And oftentimes there'll be a guest or there'll be an elaborate recreation of a nacho saga, highly produced in a petty attempt to get back at my family. If you don't know what that means, please go back and listen to last week's Free Time Tuesday. And sometimes it's just me. I need to download. And I love that I have you all to allow me to do that. So this is what today is. There's been a lot going on, so much to talk about, you and I. The first thing I'm going to talk about, though, is the fact that I put Lindsay Lohan's Christmas movie in my eyes. Oh, God, I wish. It's called Falling For You. Let me remind you, here's some of the trailer. When people look at me, all they see is the spoiled daughter of the hotel magnet. Oh, God, I just, I don't, I don't know what to say. If you thought Michael Lucas's My Policeman review 
Yeah. And personally, what would you give Harry out of five as an actor? Oh, I like him. <laughs> He's my friend. Move on. <laughs> I feel disloyal. I just want to announce perhaps the renaissance needs to be put on pause, not stopped, but I think we need to all regroup and take a good hard look at ourselves in the mirror as to what direction Lindsay Lohan's career is taking because this movie ain't it. It's just bad and not good bad, 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 boring bad, lame, beige, and I can find ironic love for most things. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I follow Fergie's corgis online. I love anything that's camp, out of the box, left of centre, ridiculous, but this was just not it. So I can't, and I also realised I'm so tired of the trope of the hardened career, go-getter, whatever she is, woman. I'm so tired of her character arc being that she realises that she just wants a simple life and to marry the town widower and bake. I don't like that and that seems to happen a lot. You know, the big shot career New York publishing lady, she has to go and interview a lawyer, she has to go and interview a writer in a small country town because he's a recluse. And then she goes there and she's always on her Blackberry, la la la, you know, oh, busy, stop, buy, sell. Hang on, why is she doing that? She's an author. Get, get the guy on the line for the Pulitzer. I've got to go meet with this guy. Oh, God. And then they meet and, like, they hate each other at first and she just can't wait to get back to New York because New York's happening. And then all of a sudden, about halfway through, she realises and she looks at him and she sees him. Maybe his top's off. Yeah, his body's glistening in the sun. And she suddenly realised, oh, I just want to have that man's babies and give my career up. And then all of a sudden the movie flips, you know? And then all of a sudden, just towards the end, she gets the biggest job offer of her life. But she just, no, I want to go and make that man muffins. The end. That seems to be the majority of Christmas movies or romance movies. Why can't the dude give up his job and bake for her? I want to see the reverse of that. I want to see a man fall in love with a hardened, ambitious career woman and just want to support her. Just be the wind beneath her flaps. Anyway, I'm giving this one jingle bell out of five purely because Lindsay's hair was stunning, flawless. She attempted to cry a couple of times. The Botox wouldn't allow for that, but that's okay. But what I really want from Lindsay, and the only way I feel like that the Renaissance can truly take off, truly, is if we get Mean Girls 2. You feel? Do you understand me? Mean Girls 2, let me write it for you. Let me write the synopsis. Okay, right. So it's a 25-year reunion. They turn up and it turns out Gretchen. That is so fetch. Gretchen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Has secretly buried a time capsule. They forgot. Oh, my God, they forgot they did a time capsule and she buried it. They all thought, they, didn't think, they, they all thought oh, no, nothing ever came of it. She's like, no, I totally buried it. So they dig up the time capsule at the reunion because they're all like a bit tipsy. And then all of a sudden, all these secrets come pouring out. There are journals. There are love letters. There's a queer romance happening they didn't even know. Mean Girls 2 writes itself. This is the renaissance. This is what we need. So I just want... And where is... What's um, Charvet? Tracy, what's, what's her name? The girl from Party of Five. Lacey Charvet? Lacey? Yes. Oh, do you remember Party of Five? Side quest alert, side quest alert. Do you remember Party of Five? I didn't watch one episode without crying. Bailey was so hot. Oh, my God, Neve Campbell. Oh, my God. What was the name of the brother? 
Was he Matthew Perry? Did he also, was his name also Matthew Perry? Hang on a minute. I'm live Googling Party 5. I was obsessed with Party of 5. Party of 5. Let's just, let's just have a look. Let's just go. Let's just go. Here we go. 6.8 out of 10 IMDb. I don't think so. Scott Wolf played Bailey. Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox played Charlie. Neve Campbell played Julia. Lacey Charvet. Yes, got it right. Played Claudia. Jennifer Love Hewitt, that's right. Jeremy London. Oh, he played Griffin. Oh, my God. Where was I? Wait. Oh, yeah, so Lacey Charvet. Oh, that's right. I don't remember what I was saying. Anyway, she needs a career comeback. Where's she gone since Mean Girls? So this is what I'm saying. This is how we get the Renaissance back on track, okay? Right, moving on. Although kind of staying kind of staying in the Lindsay realm. Please don't judge me, but over the weekend I was obsessively looking at Tiffany Trump's wedding photos. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But to be fair, Tiffany Trump is the only Trump child currently not under investigation for trying to stage a coup on the American... Um, White House on the political system or under investigation from the FBI for fraud. So she is the only one. <laughs> so she deserves a nice day. Uh, she married a man, I want to say Michael. Oh, come on, Em. I want to say, oh, my God, we're Googling again. Tiffany Trump husband, um, Michael Bullis. Michael Bullis. Now, let me tell you a story about Michael Bullis. You're going to love this. So... Tiffany Trump met him in Mykonos and, do you know, he was, she was on, I can't even say that, I'm so excited for this fucking tenure, like, do you know who she, do you know who she was on, Lindsay Lohan, she was on, I just ADHD'd myself, I couldn't even finish my own sentence because I needed to get it out, so, Tiffany Trump was on holidays when Lindsay Lohan was going through her Russian phase. And I, I figured out, I said, maybe uh, there's something for me to do more here. And was the phase of a Mykonos nightclub. Tiffany Trump and Lindsay Lohan were hanging out and Tiffany spotted Michael Bullis across the room at Lindsay Lohan's Mykonos club and said, I'm going to marry that man. And two years later, a Mar-a-Lago, as the Dems took the Senate during... <laughs> Her wedding, it was announced that the Democrats had in fact taken the Senate. She married him in a stunning ceremony. Oh, my God, it was so over the top. Everything you'd want from Tiffany Trump. So, and Trump was, and Donald walked her down the aisle. They did the, the father-daughter dance, uncharacteristically quiet, even though he probably not going to be able to announce a president. He's not going to be able to announce. There's no way. There is no way now, surely, because everyone's blaming it on him, right? They were all like, oh, there's going to be a red wave and Trump apparently had the speech written, ready to announce his candidacy. And now why would the Republicans allow that? They have they have better options, terrifyingly enough. Uh, so I think it could be over. And the magical unicorn of death, she concedes. Maybe she can hang up her hoofs. Maybe I'm done. God, I hope I'm done. I just don't know. But, yeah, so the wedding... I was going down a spiral of talking about what... Oh, yeah, so there was no red wave, right? So come with me, go with me. So I'm leaving Tiffany Trump's wedding because I just want to talk to you about something that made me laugh. Wait, I've got to slow down. I'm talking so fast. Speaking of red waves, there is a state election happening in Victoria soon, okay? And all these conservative Australian political pundits, commentators, whatever, they were saying, yeah, there's going to be a red wave in Victoria too. Go the red wave. All these liberals are saying it, right? And... 
I'm not the only one that noticed this, but I was going, no, you absolute dickheads. The Liberal Party's colour is blue. The Labor Party is red in Victoria. You don't want a, you don't want a red wave. Oh, we want, most of us want a red wave, but I don't think you want a blue wave. <laughs> You're essentially hoping for the opposition to win by making their statements. Oh, my God, the idiocy. But they couldn't be told. Lots of people tried to tell them, but they didn't want to know. But there was no red wave. And I don't even, I can't even tell you who Dan Andrews is running opposite against. Somewhat Matthew Guy, something, I don't know. And I like politics, but I find it all very boring. The Victorian state election, I, I don't know. I, don't, I can't even tell you. I mean, I'll vote, but the opposition leader's not giving me anything that I, that's particularly exciting. Well, how do we end up here? Tiffany Trump, no red wave. Oh, yeah. So Tiffany's married. Good for her. And I think her father's political career may be over. But never say never with that man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Michael Lucas and I attended the Dua Lipa concert, her concert on Saturday night, Future Nostalgia. And look, I, we had such a great time. She didn't stop. The curry didn't stop. There was a lot of aggressive hips. The music didn't stop. She didn't actually even acknowledge the crowd until about 15 minutes in. And you know, we're cheap sluts for that, right? We love hearing a, hey, Melbourne, hey, Melbourne. Like, we love hearing it. I don't know who that second one was. Michael Caine, obviously doing some live shows. G'day, Melbourne. Hey, Melbourne. Ooh. (laughs) She just didn't speak to us. There was no patter. There was no banter. I still don't know who Dua Lipa is or what she stands for. I have discovered she has a podcast. So I am going to go and delve into that because she intrigues me. I'm interested in her. And as I was thinking about how she barely spoke to the audience, and honestly, it was a Spotify playlist. It was like perfection, hit after hit after hit after hit. We didn't sit down. We stood up at the start of the concert because she doesn't have any ballads really, except for like, I could be the one. But that even that is a dancey song. And then at the end of it, I'm like, yeah, that was great. And I kept saying to Michael, but I don't know her. And then Michael's like, but do you need to? Maybe he has a point. Maybe we just want her to be an enigma, a, a hot, impossibly sexy banger machine. Because, my God, the woman knows her way around a hit. So I enjoyed it. I had such a great time. We sat upstairs in the upstairs bar at Rod Laver Arena and watched everyone arrive. And there was so much joy And there were so many, like, outfits and it was all ages. I didn't feel old. I was worried I was going to feel old. It was all a lot of mums bringing their kids, a lot of dads bringing their daughters, a lot of gays. It was a great crowd and I enjoyed watching everyone's effort because, you know, I love effort. So that's my review of the Dua Lipa show. A lot of you wanted it. It was great but it felt a little, not colour by numbers, but I don't know if you've ever seen Celine D on live. But her mid-song patter is, well, it's unparalleled. I would say John Peter Farnham a close second. But let me, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Zeke to put in some Celine Dion patter. Incredible. Here, have a listen. How do you do? <sighs> How are you? You know, I'm not getting you folks for two months. Every day, nine to five, five days a week, she did that to me. (laughs) Believe me, I had a great time. See? I mean, who knows what she was saying or why? And I don't even know if she was existing on the same plane as us in that moment. But it doesn't matter. 
because she gives it. She gives. Not that Jill didn't give, but she did say it was her 91st show. And I, I understand you'd be a bit over it by 91. I mean, you'd be over it by nine. So I get it. I get it. All right. Thank you. I needed that manic download. I feel good. I feel centred. I feel like we've caught up. I'm aware this is a one-way conversation, but it's for the best because I'll probably say something to upset you um, or not be able to look you in the eye. Oh, I went to Rob Mills's. I'm supposed to finish up. I'm finishing up. I went to Rob Mills's book launch uh, also over the weekend. I was so busy. My social battery is drained. And he tricked me. He said, oh, yeah, it's just a few people. Just like you'll be fine. And I got there and it was like 150 people in a, like in a pub and it was so noisy and loud and I was panicking and I said really weird stuff. I love lamp. I love lamp. And then he tried to make me sing and his mum's his mum mid-song, I was mid-song, and his mum, Pammy, came up and stole the mic from me and finished the song and stood on my foot. It's fine. That's Pammy. Pop's, Rob's mum is wild. She's wild. <laughs> but I celebrated my friend... You know, I hope you've all gone and bought his book, hashtag poor men. Uh, but that was that was a thing that I, and I realised I'm so uncomfortable in those scenarios because I don't feel safe, right? Because I'm always looking around the room for the things that might go wrong rather than looking around the room for the fun. So at Dua Lipa, I was at peace because I was kind of looking for joy because there was no pressure on me to perform, no pressure on me to have a conversation. I just like to watch people. <laughs> but I think when I'm in social situations where I know I'm going to have to have conversations, I start looking for the ways that could go wrong. So I just focus on the angry voice in the corner, the woman looking stressed, the waiter that's dropped the glasses, the sound that's so loud, the conversation I'm about to have with someone whose name I can't quite remember because I can barely remember my own name. So I realised that the reason I am socially awkward is because I'm scanning the room for the things that might go wrong and then I have to start thinking about... Because, you know, when someone says to me, hi, my name is insert name, I then try to remember their name so I miss the next minute of what they've said. Who anyway, God, are you okay? I mean, I feel great, but this is a lot for you all. I'm done. Hey, there's only a few seats left for our live show on December the 14th, 14th at the National Theatre. Please, if, look, come along. I don't know how else to do this. I don't know. I'll make, we'll put an ad in. Put an ad in now. Enjoy our ad. But they're going to be sold out any day now. I'm so grateful and so excited to be able to sing. That's the main thing, yeah. There'll be a little podcast, but mainly it's going to be us having a massive sing-along. You sitting in your seats. Some people were like, Emmy, you having a party where we're all going to have to talk to each other? I'm like, as if. Oh, my God. (laughs) Imagine if I made you all, like, mingle. All of us? Oh, absolutely not. You all will just be in a room full of love being held by each other and you don't have to make eye contact with anyone if you don't want to. I'll be on stage. You'll sing the lyrics back to me. We'll have a few drinks. We'll have a few laughs. This is our night. It's, it's, I need this. This is just going to be us getting together with no pressure. okay? Love it. Love you. Okay, gang, we'll see you Thursday. Oh, God, I feel like, I feel like, a, I feel like I've had a massive poo. I have had a brain poo. Thank you. Thank you for that. Much love. Tara. Bye-bye. Remember the 90s? Oh, no, no, Ben, do the voice. Remember, Remember the, the 90s? 90s? Yes! Remember your end-of-term party? I wasn't invited. Remember how you used to go to live shows? No. 
<laughs> Remember how it's almost the end of the year. Yes! Good, because we're bringing all those things together for a one-off extravaganza called the Emsolation End of Term Party. Party, party, party. This is your one and only chance to see M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas on stage in Melbourne. There's going to be music, there's going to be singing, there's going to be things we shouldn't say into a microphone, there's going to be lots of 90s torch songs and outfits to match. Tickets are on sale 10am November 3, a.k.a. this morning, from nationaltheatre.org.au. Get in quick. Free Time Tuesday on Emsolation is a Spotify-exclusive podcast hosted and produced by M. Rossiano. Recorded and edited at Down the Hill Studios by Ezekiel Fenn. A brand new episode of Emsolation with M. Rossiano drops every Thursday, 6am, only on Spotify.